You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning. I'm excited about today, excited about what God's already been doing and about the message that um, God's put on my heart to share with you and just praying that God will move through that. And we're going to continue today our Promises series. Um, and we've been in it for a few weeks now. And today we're going to be in John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, that'd be great. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Um, we'll do that at our Next Steps table. If you'd stop by there after service, we'd love to give you a Bible if you don't have one. So um, let us do that for you if you don't have a, have a Bible. Um, before we jump in, I want to celebrate a couple of things. One of those is that uh, last week at the Vidalia campus, we had almost 300 people who showed up for worship. And God's really working and doing awesome things over there. It's cool to see. And, and we've got people not just coming to Salvation, but we're seeing our connect groups are growing there. They're multiplying. We're seeing people getting plugged in, seeing lives change. We're seeing marriages being put back together. Um, it is absolutely incredible what God's doing. And then over in Millen, uh, we had almost well, close to 200, over 175 people. But the big number that we want to celebrate is two people who came to salvation last week who put their faith in Christ. So it's just cool to be a part of that and to be a part of what God's doing in his kingdom. And just even if it's a small part of that, to be a part of what God's doing in the world. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that God has really put on my heart this week and even this morning is not to take that for granted, not to take what we get to be a part of for granted and the fact that um, God's working in, in so many people's lives and we get to see that and not even to take this service for granted, that so many times it's easy to come in and go out and, and nothing's different, nothing's changed. And so today I want to encourage you to take advantage of this time to open your hearts and, and let God speak to you um, in the way that he desires to speak with you. We're going to read today about a lady who had an incredible encounter with Jesus. And my prayer is that you would have that encounter today, that you would have your own personal encounter with him as he is a living God. Um, he's not some dead mute idol um, or some far off deity that we worship, but he's very near and he's a part of our life. And if we're in Christ, he's in us, living in us and through us. And so um, I want to encourage you with that today. But we're going to read John chapter 4. Um, a pretty lengthy section of scripture, then we're going to go back and talk about it. But John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, where Jesus goes and he meets this Samaritan woman. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. That was John the Baptist. Jesus' ministry is starting to overshadow John the Baptist's ministry. And John realizes he's not the Messiah. He realizes that um, Jesus is the one who has to be exalted. And so we see here that Jesus begins to baptize more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Those two verses, verse 13 and 14, are really the core of this message. And the promise we're looking at today is that Jesus satisfies. Jesus, Jesus satisfies, God satisfies us like nothing else, that he is the living water that quenches our thirst, that quenches our soul, that ignites our spirit. And so today we're looking at this fact that God satisfies. It says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here, keep coming here to draw water. Sort of a sarcastic comment that she's making. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. Jesus just got real quick, right? What you just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when, the, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then finally, Jesus just tells her plainly, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Well, let's pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for your word and how it speaks to our hearts. Thank you that it's living and active. Let it pierce our souls today, God. At the deepest part of our being, God, lay our hearts open that, God, you can have your way in them and in our lives. Lord, just come and in your might and in your power, that we leave here different than we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you are like me and you love food? Anybody love food? Just food, food lovers, right? Um, that's me. I love food um, and, and I love to eat large quantities of food. And uh, I don't necessarily love to eat food that's good for you. Um, yeah, ouch, that's not good, not a good combination. And uh, so I have this bad habit or two bad habits that don't go well together. I like to um, sit on the couch and I like to eat large amounts of food. Those two things don't necessarily go real well together. So um, anyway, but, but I was recently was talking to a friend of mine and she started telling me about um, this health system. It's not a diet, it's a health system. You ever been on a health system, not a diet? It's a way of life. It's changing your way of life. And so um, I started this thing and she told me, she's like, what we're going to do is we're going to order you some food. It's going to come in a box. And for about 30 days, you're going to eat this food five times a day and then eat one healthy meal. And what's going to happen is it's going to give you more energy and you're also going to lose weight. And I was like, well, you know, that, that sounds good. And to be honest with you, it has helped me. But the funny thing was I went into it very skeptical. I didn't think that it would be very beneficial. And so, especially when I got the box of food and literally for 30 days, all my food came in a box that was about this long, about this wide and about that high. 
And when I got it, I texted her. I said, I could eat this today. And she was like, no, 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 that's probably your problem is that you could eat that today. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand, this is not gonna work. And she was like, yeah, yeah, just trust me, just trust me. I was like, okay, I'm gonna trust you. And then I realized that for lunch, that was lunch, right there. Dehydrated, these are pancakes, actually. Dehydrated, you can have some ziti marinara, you can have some vegetable chili, and all you gotta do is add water and microwave it for two and a half minutes. And you got it, man, it's right there. And it's only about four ounces of water that you add, so about right there. So can you imagine how much food that is? And the funny thing about it is when we uh, got into this, I was like, there's no way I can be satisfied doing this. There's no way that it's gonna keep me from being hungry. And the funniest thing was for about the first three days, it was like I had descended to hell. I'm just, I'm being straight up honest with you. I thought I was dying, I had a headache, everything was hurting. I was, I was like a baby, I was whining so much. I would just tell people like, I'm starving, I ain't gonna make it. I'd go in there and I'd sneak like some old pizza out of the refrigerator, get me a bite, you know? It was like the best thing, it was like a piece of heaven um, when I would eat it. And so I would just, you know, eat it and, and, and then feel guilty. And then I'm like, I'm not losing any weight. I don't know what's going on, you know? I ate the kids french fries, but I don't understand why this thing's not working. And so anyway, um, I never thought that it was gonna do for me what it was promised to do. And I thought about that and I thought about how that was how I was also about Jesus. About 20 years ago, even 17, 18 years ago, that's how I felt about Christ is I thought there's no way that he would ever satisfy me in a way that nothing else can. And the reality of it is until you've experienced him and until you know him, you, you really can't understand that that's the truth. And for some people here today, you've never experienced that because you've never come into a relationship with God through Jesus. You've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus and experienced how satisfying he can truly be. And the reality for a lot of people is you've never experienced that. But for those who have, we've experienced what that's like. And then there's some of us in the room today who we've experienced that, but we've taken our eyes off of Christ and we've moved away. And so it's no longer fulfilling. It's no longer satisfying us the way that he, he, he intends to, the way he wants to, the way that he can. And so my prayer is that if you're here and you've never experienced that because you've never had a relationship with Jesus, that today would be that day that you start that relationship with him. The other is maybe you're in that place where the fire seems to have been quenched and it's just not seemingly satisfying any longer. Well, the thing that I would encourage you with is that today you fix your eyes back on Christ, you begin to drink from the living water, from the spirit of God and from a relationship with Jesus, not the rules and the system of religion, but I'm talking about a relationship with a true and personal God who wants to be a part of your life, who speaks to you, who talks to you, who wants to work in you and work through you. That's my prayer for you. And I believe that's what this passage is all about. As we read, this, this lady, um, she had, had five husbands and she was basically shacking up with another guy, right? So she, this lady was seen as immoral. She was um, not what you would label as a godly lady, right? But Jesus comes to her and the reality of it was she had been trying to find um, her satisfaction. She'd been trying to find who she was in a man. The problem was it was the wrong man. She needed to come to the realization that the only man that was gonna satisfy, the only man that was gonna do in, in her heart what 
she desired to be done was Jesus. That's the only man that can satisfy us at the deepest part of our being. And there are some girls who you can relate to this lady because you've gone from guy to guy. You've tried to have a boyfriend consistently or maybe even you're married and you tried to make your spouse that, that thing that's gonna satisfy you. And the reality of it is it's only found in Christ. Guys, for us too, we, we try to find things that'll bring us security and significance that make us feel um, wanted and needed and make us feel accepted. And the reality of it is we're only truly going to experience that in a relationship with Jesus. Nothing else is going to make that happen. And I believe this today, that God brought you here for a purpose. Listen to verse four, and I want you to see this, how Jesus works. Verse four says, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And and here's the thing I want you to see. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Many of you have heard that before. They hated each other. But they hated each other so bad that when Jesus decided to go from Judea to Galilee, Galilee was in the north, Judea in the south. When he was going to go, Samaria was right there in, in between the two. So Jews and Samaritans hated each other so much that many times the Jews would go out of their way to go around Samaria to get to Galilee. They didn't want to even pass through or see or talk to a Samaritan. But the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Here's the cool thing about that. The phrase had to go, it literally is a decree. It means that it was decreed that Jesus had to go. So in other words, Jesus went by divine appointment to go and meet with this lady. It wasn't by accident that this lady showed up at the well and Jesus just happened to be there. It was a divine appointment that she had with Jesus. And I believe this with all my heart today, that you are here not by accident, but by a divine appointment. That God put you here to hear this message, to hear those songs, to hear and experience the spirit of God, not because it's an accident, but because he wants to do something in your heart. And so it was not an accident that Jesus meets her. Verse seven says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here this lady is, um, she comes to the well, she comes alone, she comes and there's this divine appointment that Jesus has with her. But it wasn't just that Jesus came to her, Jesus was coming with what she needed. He didn't just come up and and have a conversation. He was meeting her for a purpose. He was meeting her to fulfill in her what had not been fulfilled previously, to satisfy her completely in a way that she had never been satisfied, that she didn't even know she could be satisfied. And here's the reality, folks. Listen, this lady, this woman, she was an outcast of outcasts. Jesus had this divine appointment with a lady who, one, was a Samaritan, so they were already considered um, to be impure. They were already considered to be uh, unclean. They were already considered to be dirty. Jesus has this encounter with a Samaritan. Second thing is she was a woman. Women weren't thought well of in those days, and Jewish men, especially rabbis or teachers like Jesus was, did not talk to women. Even their wives, they, it, was, it was taught that they didn't have long conversations even with their wives because women were looked at as so low. 
And so here's Jesus busting up this cultural um, stereotype, busting up this, this, this uh, mindset that the Jewish people had and talking to a Samaritan woman. Not only was she a Samaritan, not only was she a woman, but she was also living an immoral life. She was broken. She was hurting. She came to the well alone. People didn't go to wells, the, the well alone. The women would go together. But she comes at the hottest part of the day by herself because the, the people saw her as being an outcast. Her past had made her something to them that was not good. But here's the good news and here's the awesome thing. This woman who was seen as unclean, this woman who was seen as dirty, this woman who had a past, Jesus comes to her and he touches her life. And rather than Jesus becoming dirty or becoming unclean because he touched her as was the Jewish belief, when he touches her life, she then becomes clean and becomes a vessel of God that he then uses to reach other people. See, that's the awesome thing about God is he takes our broken, messed up life and he begins to put it back together. I wish that it happened like that because I've got so many things that I wish were just put back together instantly. But the thing that I have to realize is that I'm not um, a project that's just over. I'm in a process of becoming like Christ. But we've got to get to a place where what we see and what we understand and what we believe is that Jesus came for the broken. So that's why we started this church is for the broken people. We didn't start it for people who thought they had it all together. We started it for people who were hurting, who were dirty, who were lost. See, Jesus came to her where she was. He didn't come to her after she got it all together. Because the reality of it is, if he waited to come to us when we had it all together, he'd never come to us. We'd never know him because we're never gonna have it all together by ourselves, on our own. It only happens when Jesus comes into our lives and begins to put things back in place. And he begins to put the broken pieces together. And so we see this happening in this lady's life. Can you imagine what this lady's life was like though? Her past would have haunted her. Her, her, uh, her sin was there, it was evident. She was hurting, lonely, broken. And then Jesus comes into her life. And I'll tell you what was so messed up in this lady was the identity that she had assumed. She thought of herself as an immoral person. She even tried to cover it up with Jesus, with sarcasm and, and telling a truth to try to cover her sin. And the reality of it is that we have to see that in many ways we fit that same category. That for us, for many of us, for all of us, the problem is not sin, that's a fruit of the problem. The problem is our broken identity. That when sin happened in the garden, when God created everything, he created us in his image. He created us in the image of God. But when sin happened, it marred that image and we were separated from our image bearer. And I'll tell you this, from that point on, humanity has been trying to discover two things. Why do I exist and who am I? And so every person in here at some point has been trying to figure out who am I? We've acted out in certain ways, um, trying to fit in. We've acted out in certain ways, trying to be somebody. And we can say all we want to, I don't care what they think, but there's something inside of us that begs to differ. 
And until we come to an assurance of who we are in Christ, until we allow God to begin to fix the brokenness inside of us and we can begin to see ourselves the way God sees us in Christ, if we have put our faith in him, we will never ever become to the wholeness that God wants us to have. But God gives us a new identity. It's why the Bible teaches us that he who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Because when we come to him in faith, he makes us new. Every one of us in our lives, if we could, we would, we'd ask for a redo in certain areas, right? How many of you, if there was something you could redo, you'd redo, right? How many of you, if there's something in your past that you could get rid of, you'd get rid of? How many of you, there's something in your past that, that's there that, 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 that when you think about it, it, it makes you feel condemned. It makes you feel dirty. It makes you wish that you could go back and do it over again. It makes you wish that there was something you could change about it. Here's the good news. Jesus did change that. He redeems you from the pit. He takes you out of the mire and the muck and he sets you on a rock so that you can stand and he gives you a new identity so that you don't have to live like that old person. You can live like the person that Jesus called you to be, which is recreated in his image, knowing who you are, knowing that God has made you righteous through Christ. And when you start to believe that you are that person, you can start to live like that person as the Holy Spirit works in you and works through you. You can be changed and you can be a different person. And it's not, that's not some pie in the sky prosperity gospel. That is the gospel that God comes to give us a new heart and give us a new, a new, a new life to make us in the image of Christ because when we're satisfied in Jesus, and when we're being recreated in his image, it's glorifying to him, which is the point of all of it. And so here's the good news today, guys, is that in Christ, we have been made new. If you have put your faith in Jesus, then you are a new creation. The Bible tells us that our sin has been separated as far as the East is from the West. The sin you committed, the sin you commit, and the sin you will commit. It's been separated for as far as the east is from the west. And the good news of that, what it makes us do is want to live for God. And when we come to faith in Christ, he puts his spirit in us and we become a new creation. And our heart begins to want to live for the things of God, not for the things of the world. And so it begins to transform us from the inside out. And this Samaritan woman needed that. Many of us today, we need that. We need that good news that our brokenness has been healed in Christ, that we're in a process of being transformed and changed to be like him. And I want you to see this. I want you to see some things, though, that have to happen. Verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. One of the things we have to do, people, is we have to know the gift of God, not know about him, not know some things that have to do with him, but we have to know the gift of God. First, the gift of Jesus that God's given us, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gave us through Jesus. And so we have to know him. We've got to be in a relationship with him. There's two problems with this. One of those problems is that many people don't know him. We live in the Bible Belt and everybody knows about him, but how many people really know him? How many people have had a life-transforming experience like this woman with Jesus? How many of us have been transformed or being transformed by him because of a personal relationship with him? How many of us are, 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 are in a different trajectory because of Jesus' work in our lives? Because here's something that is true, people. You cannot meet Christ and stay the same because he changes our life 
the Holy Spirit begins to transform us. Are we different today because of when we met Christ? Doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you have it all together, but are we becoming more like Jesus? So one of the problems is we don't know him. Many times we just don't know him. We don't know the gift of God. The other one is we've met him and we've experienced the gift of God. We've experienced Christ and we've experienced his spirit, but we've turned our back on him. We've walked away from him. We, we, we've said, you know, basically, I'm going to go my own way. And we put our eyes on other things rather than on Jesus. And there's a scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet to the Jews. And God speaking through Jeremiah told the Israelites this, and it's still applicable for us today. It says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. They've turned their back on me. They walked away from me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. What he's saying is they've turned their eyes from me. They've walked away from me. Their hearts are far from me. And, and he's saying that they've dug your own cisterns. Cisterns were meant to hold water. But he says these cisterns are broken. You've dug your own wells, but they don't hold water. How many of us today are trying to dig our own wells to find satisfaction? How many of us are trying to find it in other things? And I'm telling you guys, you can't find it in a relationship other than a relationship with Christ. You can't find it in your children um, satisfying you and being what you always wanted to be. You can't find it in drugs. You can't find it in sex. You can't find it in pornography. You can't find it in, in anything other than the person of Christ. But how many of us are trying to live out of broken cisterns? How many of us are trying to live out of these cisterns that can't hold water when God offers us this spring of living water? See, this was an arid place. For Jesus to say this is a spring of water that, that, that wells up in you, what he's saying is this is even better than the well water. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And Jesus is like, yes, I am greater and I give you greater water. I give you my spirit, which is living. And he's saying this is a spring that wells up in you. It's living, running water, which is something that was highly valued. Jesus is saying this is better than what Jacob could give you. It's better than the Old Testament law. It's better than your Old Testament religion because it brings you into a living relationship with Jesus. He's saying it is by far better. Quit looking into your broken cisterns and begin to look to the one who can give you true life. That's what Jesus wants us to see. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's who we're called to be and what we're called to do. So these two problems happen. I want to ask you a question real quick. And here's the thing. You got this cup. This is my health system cup. And the question is this. Could you fill this up with water? Yeah, you could fill it up with water. In fact, you could pour so much water in here that it would overflow. It would be running over. This is how God intends us to live our lives. This is what Jesus did is he took away the barrier of sin so that we could be in a relationship with God. See, sin had us where we couldn't receive from God. We were separated from God, but Jesus took our sin. He took it to the cross so that it could be removed so that we could receive it. So this is how the Christian is intended to live out their life is walking in and receiving the love of God, walking in it and living out of it. But this is how many Christians live. It's almost as if you've taken a lid and put it over your life and your past or what you did last night or what you, what you thought about or what you've done, 
the brokenness in your life, the hand that life's dealt you has become this barrier that keeps you from receiving what Jesus longs to give you. What we have to see is that that was paid for at the cross. And this barrier that exists between us and God, it's been removed in Christ so that we can leave it at the feet of Christ and understand that when we walk away from it, it is gone, it is separated, it no longer hinders us from receiving God's love. That in fact, um, Jesus came for the very purpose of dying for sinners so that we could be reunited with God, so that we could receive his love and his grace, so that we can walk in the power of that, so that we're made new. But this is how many of us live our lives, with this barrier between us. And God says, why don't you come and lay that at my feet so that you can receive from me? The Bible tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, that we can come into his presence. Why can we do that? Because our sin is gone. Otherwise, we couldn't approach God. But God has taken the lid off. He's removed the barrier so that we can come into a relationship with him. But many times we walk away from him and we allow sin to cover the, the, the cup of, of our life. So many times we allow our past and condemnation that Jesus died to take away from us to hinder us from receiving because we don't feel worthy. So many of you girls, you feel like the things that you've done in your past have hindered you from ever being loved in the future. And that's a lie. If anything, look at the Samaritan woman that Jesus came into contact with and realize that he is a redeemer of life. He's a giver of life. Guys, realize that in Christ, you've been accepted. You don't have to act out to try to be a man. Being a man is not about how many girls you sleep with. Being a man is not about putting up some front. Being a man is about being someone who follows Christ, someone with his eyes on Jesus, who's willing to live for God when everybody else forsakes him, knowing that he doesn't have to fold, he doesn't have to give in because he knows who he is in Christ and that brings his security, not what other people think about him. And so... We need to see that. We need to live from that and realize that, listen, Jesus has taken the lid off. He paid the price for us. But many of us live with the lid snapped on. It's locked down. And I'm telling you, today is the day that you need to leave that at the altar. If, you, if, if you're not in Christ, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God, then here's the reality. There is a barrier between you, and it's called sin. But the good news is Jesus came so that he could remove the sin from your life so that you can be in that relationship with God. That's what God did for us through Christ. That's what he longs to do for us. But here's the problem that we have. Listen to verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? So here's a problem for the lady. She's looking at limitations and the circumstances of the situation rather than looking at God. Jesus is sitting there right in front of her. God is right before her. And the one who created the water in the well, the one who could create water again if he desired, the one who, who made it all, and she's saying, look, you don't have anything to draw with. How are you going to get water? And the reality for us is we limit God in so many ways. We think that my situation or your situation is so far gone that God can't do anything. And the reality of it is that God moves mountains in people's lives so that he, he can do the work in them and through them that he desires to do. 
And that's what we, we can't put our eyes so much on our limitations when we have an unlimited God, a God who changes and transforms, a God who forgives and redeems, a God who longs to work in our heart, God who says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you life, true life, not some fake life, not some life that you've manufactured, but true life that only comes through Jesus. True life that gives you living water even through the dry times. Even in the desert, in, the, in that desert place where you long for something, he says, I'll give you living water. I will be the one who satisfies you. And so we've got to quit looking at the limitations and putting limitations on God and realize that he can work in our life. See, here's the reality for many of us. We don't have a problem thinking God can work in the person next to us in their life. We have a problem thinking that God's gonna work in my life. We have a problem thinking that God loves us that much. It's pretty easy for us to look at someone else and go, you know how much God loves you? God's got a purpose for you. God wants to do a great work in you. He wants to do a great work through you, something that glorifies him. That's what he wants to do. It's easy for us to look at someone else and say that, but not realize it's for us. I do it all the time. In fact, the one issue that I struggle with the most and I believe is the issue for everybody is struggling with who we are in Christ. Is struggling with being able to realize that God's love for me and this truth of the scripture for me, it is for me as much as it is for you. I can tell you all day long who you are in Christ. I can tell you all day long and believe it with all my heart about how much God loves you and how much God wants to do in your life. I believe that with everything in me. But when I look in the mirror, it's difficult for me to say, God means that for me. God wants me to have that. God wants me to walk in that. See, I know who I am. I know the thoughts I have. I know the things I've done. I know uh, the shortcomings that I have as a father. I know the shortcomings I have as a husband. I recognize that. And for me to look in the mirror and think that God loves me the way I am is hard to fathom. But the truth is, guys, I'm like you in that I have to take the lid off. I have to realize that I can lay that at Christ's feet and be filled with Christ, be filled with his love, be filled with the spirit of God. And so can you. But this message is not for the person next to you. So many times people listen to messages and they're like, I hope so-and-so's listening to this. <laughs> this is for you. What do you think when you look in the mirror? Do you see a child of God? Do you see a son of God, a daughter of God? Ladies, do you realize that you're more than breast and legs? Do you realize that your value is not in your appearance, but it's in Christ? Guys, do you realize your acceptance is not in your job or how much money you make or what you drive? Your acceptance is in Jesus? That none of that defines who you are? Parents, listen. This is something we've got to teach our kids. We've got to teach them who they are in Christ or else the world's going to tell them because hasn't the world told you who you're supposed to be? Every magazine you look at, ladies, doesn't it tell you who, you, who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to look like? Guys, the same thing for us. When we look around, it's not even reality. 
But so many times we allow it to define who we are. And today, here's my heart for you. Is whether it's for the first time and you come to a place where you say yes to Jesus and he removes your sin and gives you the ability to receive and walk in God's love or whether you've been a Christian for years but there's been something in your life that you've not forgiven yourself for even though God's forgiven it. Today I'm telling you, you can lay that at the feet of Christ and walk away in the newness of life and in the freshness of living water that Jesus longs to give you. That's basically called repentance. It's when we turn from our sin and we turn to God. And today, that's what I wanna ask you. So are you willing to do that? Because God wants to do a work in your life. See, here's the incredible thing about this story. This lady who was considered to be an outcast, immoral, Jesus takes her and changes her into something great, something to be used for his purposes. Verse 28 tells us that she then, after Jesus tells her he's the one speaking, that he is the Messiah, it says she leaves her water jar. She went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Listen, God took all of that stuff, all of that junk from her life and used it as a testimony to bring others to himself. What if God wants to take the very thing you've been trying to hide from him and redeem it and use it to bring other people to him? What if the very thing that's been keeping the lid on your life is the very thing that God wants you to leave at the altar and then turn around and go in the freedom of Christ and be able to tell somebody else, I was in that place, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you that the promise that we looked at last week is true, that all things do work to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Let me tell you that God can redeem a life that was addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography. Let me tell you that God can redeem a life that that was promiscuous, that slept around, that doesn't even know how many people they've been with. Let me tell you that God takes broken people makes them whole again. But it happens when we see who we are in Christ and we see who we are in Christ through his word and we grab hold of it. We make it the greatest truth in our life and we press into Jesus. We walk in the power of his spirit and he continues to work in us and through us, transforming us to become like him so that the redo we talked about earlier becomes a testimony that's the God we serve there's so many things from my past that I'm not proud of so many things that I did before Christ that I wish I could undo but guys let me tell you how awesome God is he takes those things And many times that becomes the testimony that somebody else needs to hear. Is that I was there 
I was where you were, but I met Christ and he transformed my life. My kids will tell you I'm not perfect. One day I was talking with Dake and we were talking with somebody and they were like saying something about church and ministry and Dake was like, yeah, daddy says he wasn't always good. He knows, man, there's still things that aren't good, but God's working on them. I realize I'm not a project, but I'm in a process of transformation. And God wants to do that in your life too. And he will do that. Remember this message is for you, not for the person next to you. It's for you and the promise of God is that he will satisfy. He'll meet our greatest, deepest longings. He'll take the broken and make them whole. I want to pray for us today before we get out of here. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your heart for us and your life that you give us. God, I pray for people in here today who maybe the lid's never been taken off of their life to receive you. God, that that they, they don't know you. God, I pray today that they would sense you drawing them to you. God, would you you save them now? Give them the courage to step forward and say, yes, I want to know Christ and I want to know what it is to walk in forgiveness and freedom. I want to know what it is to live a life that's glorifying to God. Would you work in their hearts? God, would you work in the hearts of those who are here today who need to take the lid off and lay it at your feet? Who, God, maybe they've turned their eyes from you and put them on the things of the world or they've allowed their past and insecurity to come in and rob them of the life you want to give them. Would you help them see themselves in you? And see what you've made them in Christ and what you're creating them to be. Today, I want to ask you, and you can look up here. If you would say today that you don't know Jesus, but you want to, that God's drawing you close to him. In other words, today's the day of salvation for you. Then I want to ask you right now, I want to ask you that you would stick your hand up in the air and say, I need Christ. Amen. Amen. Who else? You know the Lord's speaking to your heart. Listen, this is not to call you out. This is to celebrate new life. It's what we mean when we talk about going from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's because of sin, we're spiritually dead. But in Christ, he makes us alive. Is anyone else today that God's calling you? You know he's calling you. Maybe you're just tired of running. It's just time to say yes to Jesus. All right. And here's what I want to do. Let's close it out. I want to ask you, if you're here and there's something that's been keeping you from receiving, the lid's been on your life. And today I'm going to ask you to leave that at the feet of Jesus. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to take a step of faith 
And you just show me by show of hands, yeah, I need to leave that at Christ's feet. Just saying, I need to do that. That's what I need. And this is what we're going to do. As you acknowledge that, I believe this with all my heart. You can leave that here. There's your past. Whether it's a sin, you can leave it and walk in the freshness and the newness of Christ. I'm going to pray. And if you want prayer, you want to spend some time at the altar, I want you to come forward. I'm going to close out the prayer. While I'm praying, you move and you come and our prayer team will be here to meet you. But I want to pray for those who raise their hands. And if you want prayer, you come forward. Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you, God, for your heart for us. Thank you, God, that you meet us where we are. Thank you, Lord, that you heal our brokenness, that you redeem us from the pit, that you, God, you take us from the mire and the muck of sin and of the world and you put us on a rock, God, that we can stand firmly on. Lord, I pray that we would grab hold of that today, that we would grab hold of who we are in you and who we are according to your word, that our performance doesn't dictate your love, that God, we don't have to do things to earn your love, that you give it freely. Let us live out of that so we can live lives that glorify you. God, don't let us walk out of here the same, but let us walk out of here changed because of what you do. We love you and thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray.